Welcome. Welcome to the Grow People Podcast. That is Pastor Jason. I'm David Stein, campus pastor at our Canton location. <laughs> Here in Canton. Here in Canton. Uh, <laughs> the, the perfect, the, there's a whole thing behind that. <laughs> there's a story. There's uh, always a story. The per, their purpose of the Grow... Do I say purpose correctly? I don't know. I, I was just wondering where you were going with that because it was yeah. it did sound per per anything with a U. Uh, is it a U or is it an R? I feel like it's anything attached to an R. You're correct. Either a U or an E. An E R or an, or a U R. The purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow people. See, we got that going. Too bad there's not a er. In, in the mission statement. <laughs> um, Do we want to give a context of why we were just laughing about that? Is yeah. that where you were going? Or? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, you go. Okay. You so, set it up. So we have two locations of Revolution campuses. Yeah. One, is in, Physical. Ja- one yeah. is in Jasper yeah. and one is in Canton. And we had a conversation yesterday in one of our meetings that we don't really need to say where we are when we're there because we are there. Yeah. So... Uh, on stage, if if I were to say uh, I am the campus pastor here in Canton, here in Canton, I, I'm in Canton. I'm standing yeah. in Canton. I'm in the city limits of Canton. Yeah. When I said it, so I really don't have to say that. Yeah. But it, but sometimes it's a uh, it's a crutch. Yeah. It, it's a habit. I was saying the context of the U R E R, but you went. Oh. That's fine too. Oh, like, I went. I, I went way back. <laughs> I went way back to the beginning of the show. Yeah. Which um, is fine because you're still correct on. We don't have to say, yeah, I'm the pastor in this location, and then say the location. So the ERUR thing, we we've talked about this, I'm, I'm sure many times as I mispronounce words. Uh, it's but not that you mispronounce them. I pronounce them differently. Yeah, it just has the the. Is that a Pennsylvania Dutch flair to it, 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 or I think it's more of a Philadelphia yeah. accent uh, because. <laughs> neighbors on both sides of us like our immediate next door neighbors are both from philadelphia and we oh, here here yeah yeah and we live in a neighborhood there's like 150 homes it's probably 10 15 people from philadelphia okay it's very strange it is um so people can't wait to get out of there <laughs> <laughs> well that's true that's true once we got freedom in 1776 <laughs> i'm out of here never look back <laughs> um so we would say b-e-r-r-y Burry. Yeah. Uh, we would say B-U-R-Y, Burry. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, is, there is no difference. So the first time... And we would say Barry. Yeah. B-U-R-Y and B-E-R-R-Y. Which, yeah. is, which is so strange. So we both do the same thing, just in different ways. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah. be in a meeting, and I'll just be talking about something. Hey, if you haven't been to this place, it's at the intersection of 92 and Bells Ferry. And and I'll I'll just keep going on and then like there's no no one chiming in on this they're all just looking at me snickering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what were we just talking about? We were just talking about college football, oh. and then you mentioned. Oh a- well, there's a guy on campus safety here, and uh, I I haven't asked him if I can talk about this, so I yeah. won't even mention his name. Uh, but he played football uh, for Florida. Yeah, uh, four years at Florida under Steve Sparrier. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so you would say it, Steve Spurrier, Spurrier, yeah, Spur, Spur, Spurrier. Okay, I got it, got it. Which uh, that one? The, I the old feels ball like, coach. Yeah, the old ball. So we were talking, and you were talk, telling me the story about him playing, and then you said he he played under Steve Spurrier, and I said who? <laughs> you know, like the Docksiders. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. That the Spurry. Sperry Dockside. See, I would say Spurry. The, the shoes? shoes. The oh, okay. shoes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Weren't these weren't those the original Docksides? The uh the shoes. By Dockside, d- do you d- mean boat shoes? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have said Dockside. That's yeah. where you're confusing me. Yeah, Spur Spurry. Spurry. Yeah. They, they <laughs> we were, would call those Sperry. It was a very preppy thing back in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Nineteen 1970s. They did make a comeback. My son, when mm-hmm. probably several years ago, they were popular. With the youngins, mm-hmm. and so he was wearing Sperry's, but we wouldn't say Spurries, which, but on S- Steve Spurrier, you we almost do the opposite. You I said know. Spurrier, yeah, um, but I would say Spurrier. This is why I'm in counseling. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just accents are fascinating. Yeah, uh, it's like when you uh, we were having a conversation. In fact, Keon, who is 
on the other side of the the microphone here, him and Hernan and I were talking yesterday about coffee. Mm-hmm. And Hernan used to work at Starbucks, and so he was asking her. Uh, he Hernan was asking Keon about the roast of the coffee, mm-hmm. and he was saying a word, and and Hernan or Keon said, "Hey, can you translate this from Spanish to English?" And I said, "What'd you say, Hernan?" And he said, "Bold," and and I could hear Keon laughing. <laughs> I said, Keon, he said bold. Like, like <laughs> not, that's not Spanish. <laughs> but we would say dark roast. And so Hernan was calling it a bold a, a roast. Bold, a bold roast, yeah. yeah. And so I said, oh, he's, he, he's asking what roast is it, dark, mm-hmm. light. You know, so sometimes it's not a language barrier. Right. Translate. It's just how yeah. we say things. How, how we say it. It's yeah. like in Godfather 1 when Michael and Fredo were sitting in the cafe in Havana and uh, Fredo wants to order a banana daiquiri. And, and Michael says... Uh, how do you say banana daiquiri? The guy goes, banana daiquiri. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Any hoodles. So yeah, if you're, you would just say, how would you say the old ball coach? Yeah. Steve Sparrier. Um, and I guess I, I guess I said it so many times because, you know, Clemson was a big rival of South Carolina still. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I do not want to talk about too college soon. football too soon. Too soon. Sorry. Too soon. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's get into this today. But we are glad college football is back. Yes, we yeah. are. It yes. is exciting. Yeah. If if your team won, if you, if it won, <laughs> if your team. But I, I'll tell you what. You know, somebody on our staff was sick yesterday, so we're recording this on Wednesday of the first week of college football. Yeah. So Clemson lost on Monday night. Yeah. And Thad, Pastor Thad, and I. Fifty percent of the pastoral staff <laughs> are, are are Clemson Clemson fans. fans. Yeah, and uh, somebody one went there, one worked there. Yes, yeah. Somebody on our staff was sick this week and texted me early yesterday morning. Hey, I don't think I should come in. I'm pretty sick. Yeah, and I texted back. Pastor Thad and I are the only ones that can call in sick today. <laughs> We're the only ones with an excuse not to show up. Um, but we we both showed up. Yeah, bright and early. Yeah, well, we can take it. Unlike your team. Oh, they yeah. did not. Yeah. They did not show up bright and early. Which again, it's hard to. Uh, I mean, yes, they didn't show up. Mm-hmm. But again, mm-hmm. I don't know how anybody could knock Clemson from a standpoint of. Like Dabo Swinney, which is a fascinating how he got that's not his name. No. Like that's not his real name. Mm-mm. Is a unbelievable. He's a believer of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great coach. Mm-hmm. So to me, if you don't like Clemson, I don't know how why you wouldn't like him. Right. And the program he's building. And I still think they're a great team, great school. The only There's a lot to be proud of. The yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The and the only the good thing that came out of Monday night is I went online this morning to get a parking pass for the game next Saturday against FAU. Yeah. And the $200 parking passes are now $50. So So there's a benefit. So so I'm parking a lot closer than I would have. (laughs) Now, FAU, that is where, um, I believe that's where the former Texas head coach is now, Tom Herman. Oh, I didn't know that. If He's in one of those Florida schools. I think it's FAU. Yeah, I get them all confused, whether yeah. it's FAU or South Florida. Or yeah, there's a lot of different. Central Florida. Yeah. CFU, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, FSU. Yeah, so if that's, I'm pretty sure that's the case. So if that is the case, please do me a favor and beat them. Yeah. We'll try. We'll try to beat FAU. Yeah. <laughs> 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 if, they have our old quarterback as well. If not, maybe I'm not showing up Monday. Yeah, that's true. Or, or Sunday because it's a, a Saturday night game. Yeah. Any hoodles? Let's get into this. There's uh, a couple of things we would love to get to, and one of them is what we just finished. It was called Sacred Stewardship, and it really, really stemmed from your sabbatical over the summer, uh, taking 11 weeks to ten. Re- ten to why did I say eleven? <laughs> I don't know, where There's do, 11 players on a football where, team. Where did 11 come from? <laughs> uh, yeah. Taking 10 weeks to recalibrate and steward your life. Yeah. So we went into sacred stewardship, and I thought it was a, a tremendous uh, series. Very provoking in, in so many ways because it's not just about money. Stewardship is not just about stewarding finances. No, and in fact, Lindsay's grandparents are here in town 
and uh, from Texas, been hanging out for a little over a week. And we were actually talking last night about this, yeah, because they watch the messages even when they're in Texas. Mm-hmm. And then, but the last two weekends they've been here, and he is. They're both uh, eighty-eight years old, and he. We were talking last night, sitting around after eating dinner, and he brought that up, just how much he's enjoyed this series and how. When I first mentioned that we were doing it, his first thought was this was a series on money, and uh, which he wasn't saying was negative, but his comment was, you know, I bet everybody thought this was going to be a series on Mm -hmm. money. He said, but what I have, what he really enjoyed about it was understanding that stewardship is so much more than money. Right. And how he had never heard. And this is what I thought was kind of profound. He's, I mean, he's 88 years old. He's been living a long time and he had never thought about stewardship beyond money. He never thought of it as his whole life as stewardship. Mm-hmm. And that was really the whole point of the series is to, to make that connection for people um, to say, yeah, you're, you're managing way more than money. Of course, God wants, and the Bible commands us to be good stewards of money. It's not that it doesn't apply to money. And, mm-hmm. and I joked last night, I said, yeah, I didn't even talk about money until week three mm-hmm. of this series. And then Lindsay chimed in. She said, yeah, even then it wasn't even a message on money. Right. You just mentioned it, you know, like talked about it a little bit. And I said, yeah, I mean, because that's the concept. It's, it's about understanding. And obviously this shows up very uniquely with when it comes to money, but it's understanding that God owns it all. Mm-hmm. He owns everything, including the breath that we breathe, us, the world, as the psalmist says, the earth and everything in it. And so it was really a cool thing, again, kind of a, a, a like a sobering thing to have a conversation with an 88-year-old man mm-hmm. who's been a believer for a long time. Mm-hmm. And for him, that to be a revelation, like he's right. grown up in church and that was a revelation to him. Mm-hmm. So how many more of us that was a revelation to, yeah. you know, and, and I'm not saying that because of me, but I do think that that was something that God was showing me, yes, over my sabbatical. And that's why I wanted to come back and talk about it. And even using that verse in Acts 20, 28, even though that was directly related to pastors and leaders in a church, but the principle still remains. Mm -hmm. Like all of us who are believers have been obtained by Christ. Yes. We've been appointed by the Holy Spirit, and now we have to pay careful attention to ourselves and the Mm -hmm. flock. So... Yeah, I wanted to really help people understand that all of life is stewardship. And even how we wrapped it up, um, as Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 4, about stewards must be faithful. You know, again, and I mentioned it in all the messages, you know, at the end of our lives, when we meet Jesus, he will either say, depart from me, I never knew you, or well done, good and faithful servant. Well, I think everybody knows that, mm-hmm. and everybody, if you're a believer, you should want to hear Jesus say, well done, but they haven't connected the concept of, well, that's what stewardship means. I have to steward my life well now if I want to hear Jesus say, well done then. Mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, it's just helping people understand that all of life is stewardship. We will be held accountable, and so therefore... By God's grace, we want to be faithful. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in that particular verse, Acts twenty twenty eight. Yeah, pay careful attention to yourselves. You had mentioned several times this has become a life verse for you. Yeah, but I love how you unpack that verse in reverse. Yeah, uh, as if we were reading it right to left. Yes, exactly. Uh, going from the end because we have been obtained by yeah. the blood of Jesus. Yeah, and then going back to then pay attention to yourselves. Yeah. Because of that, which came first? This this was something that became your life verse, and then you recognized, hey, there's some uh, there's some symmetry to this verse. Uh, I don't know which came first. I just there was um, that's been a verse that I have kind of meditated on for a while now. For mm-hmm. probably, I mean, more than years, probably even a better part of a couple decades, but. You know, the notes app on our phones, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, a few years ago, I was reading and I read that verse and then I 
put it in my notes app. And then I just started kind of typing out and reading it and then wrote it out in reverse, you mm-hmm. know, um, like the four parts to it. And, and that's where actually the concept of sacred stewardship came up because mm-hmm. I, cause sometimes I'll just get an idea and I'll just start jot notes down so that I don't lose it. But in my mind, initially I was thinking this would be a great message to preach to pastors, mm-hmm. you know, like at a leadership conference or right. something like that. So I was kind of doing it that way. And that's where I came up with the concept of sacred stewardship, because I think pastors have even more of a stake sacred stewardship than those believers that are not, mm-hmm. because we have an extra responsibility, you know, and that's, we have the responsibility as a Christian and as a leader. And so as I was typing that verse out, and then those four sections, you know, laying it out, saying he obtained us, he appointed us, therefore we must pay careful attention. I think it really just kind of struck me as I was doing that. Um, and you know how it is. I was thinking about this for other people, you know, <laughs> and then it hit me and I was like, well, if this is what I would tell p- other pastors, then right. this is what I need to tell myself. Yeah. And I need to make this like my core verse. Uh, for my life in ministry. And, and then, which was cool because over this, over my sabbatical, like I've mentioned on our last podcast, we did a whole life plan process Mm -hmm. and came up with like a mission statement for my life, which really is another way of rephrasing that verse, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So which came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. You Mm -hmm. know, uh, it was just kind of those, it was just looking at the verse understanding it and then laying it out and then it landing on me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really good, uh, especially since, you know, we had our stewardship class, you know, a couple of weeks ago yeah. and I was able to reference that stewardship in relation to revolution church yeah. is becoming a member. Uh, we call it stewardship because stewards have responsibilities. Yeah. Members have rights yeah. and reminding people that this is a, full life. This is a whole life thing. Stewardship yeah. is not just what you do here when you're on a Sunday yeah. or a Wednesday or a, or a Thursday. Yeah. And um, it, it's good now that we can uh, point people back to the series, just like in marital counseling or oh, premarital true. counseling. Yeah. I'm always pointing people back to the House United series from yeah. several years ago and the mystery of marriage and the posture paradox. Yeah. So it'll be great to uh, add into our stewardship class uh, discussion. Hey, if you have questions about stewarding your life, go back to this series. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. And that's why we wanted to, and we made that change to, from membership to stewardship. I think like back in 2016 or 2017, it's been a long time ago. Um, But that was why we made that shift Mm -hmm. is because we really wanted people to understand when you join our church, now we say when you join our family, what we're talking about, we really are talking about, um, there's a commitment here and mm-hmm. you, you know, the Bible talks a lot about covenant and how, you know, God's covenant with us and our covenant with him. And then marriage as a covenant, you know, we just live in, um, I, not even co- culturally now, although it's true, but I think it's been true for a long time. All of us are commitment shy. You know, we don't want to, mm-hmm. we always want freedom to get out of a commitment, you know. Um, and so we just wanted to communicate to our church, hey, yeah, you are a steward. And with that comes responsibilities. And again, part of it is just in our Western world, we're very individualistic. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the church is here for me. Um, but biblically, and we're not saying the church is not here for you, but it's, but we are here for the church, for the people. And, and even in that verse, the reason why I'm called to pay careful attention to myself is because I do have others that I'm called to pay careful attention to as well. Mm-hmm. And I can't do a very good job of paying careful attention to others if I'm neglecting to pay attention to myself. Right. So we want people to understand, yeah, when you join our church, you are becoming a steward. You are now responsible for the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Um to love one another, care for one another, all the expectations that we lay out. Um, and that's gone really well. And it also, like you said, kind of creates a, a level understanding to say, Hey, here's what stewardship is for your whole life. And yeah, you can watch this series, 
but then also for us to have follow-up conversations with people in the future mm-hmm. say hey you you are a steward of this church but you're failing in these responsibilities mm-hmm. so the worst thing that we can do in life but in church as well is to hold somebody responsible to an expectation they didn't know about yeah that's where a lot of relationships go wrong yep um so we just wanted to be up front mm-hmm. here's our expectations mm-hmm. And if you're cool with these expectations, join our church. And on, on the flip side of that, we lay it out in such a way, here are the expectations you should have of your church. Absolutely. Because if, you, if you're coming into a church and you don't have healthy expectations, healthy. yeah, yes. not, not expectations that everything that you need is going to be provided, Yes. Uh, but here are the expectations that you should have of your church. And the number one is that we will stand on guard against false teaching. Totally. And we will preach out of the Bible. Yeah. If that was the only expectation, I think that's a pretty good start. Well, that's, yeah, yeah. because in that one expectation, all the other ones are found. Mm-hmm. And yep. yeah, and even in Acts 20, like we talked about, the reason why Paul was telling the Ephesian elders this is because he said, after my departure, people are going to come in from the outside and then from within your own selves are going to arise men speaking twisted things. So yeah, when people join our church, it is a reasonable expectation that they have that we will preach the word of God. And, and we say very clearly, Hey, if we don't meet that expectation, then you are free from this covenant. Yep. You know, you can leave this church because we have broken this covenant. And so, yeah, it is a mutual thing is we have expectations as, as leaders of the church for the members or stewards of the church, and then stewards should have expectations of the leaders of the church. Um, and, and when both of those are laid out and we try to lay them out, and you know, I don't know if we hit every one, but we try to hit the major ones so that people have a comfort level to say, okay, yeah, I, I want to be a steward of this church because I understand and not only what is expected of me, but what now you've said what is to be expected of you, mm-hmm. you know? And to me, that's just healthy. And we want people to have, like, I'm not burdened and you're not burdened. Our pastors aren't burdened by those expectations. That is what we should do. Yeah. Like and, it's a two-sided thing. And and we are stewards of the church. Yeah. Before anybody gets on our staff. Yeah. Uh, we have to be a steward of the church. We have to be all in on the mission and vision of Revolution Church and fulfilling the expectations. So it's not something that we stand up on a stage and say, hey, you need to do this. We are doing this. We, yeah. we, we are in this together. Yeah, we ask all of our staff to meet the expectations that we have laid out in our stewardship covenant. And we follow up with those things, whether they're, we ask our staff to attend a gathering, you know, and sometimes we get busy and people don't attend, but we are on them. Like, hey, you're a steward of the church. You yeah. need to attend a gathering. Yes. You need to be in a group. You know, you need to be taking steps of obedience. You need to be tithing. Mm-hmm. You need to be serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we want our staff, and, and I have to be honest with you, man, and I'm not calling out anybody on our staff or, <laughs> or other staffs intentionally. However, I have to be honest, it's a shock to me when I talk to other pastors around the country mm-hmm. that they don't have those expectations laid out for their staff. There are churches, and I have spoken to people. Yeah where staff doesn't even go to that church. Yes, I don't get it. That would be just impossible. Yeah. If you're not going in the same direction, yeah. if you're not fulfilling the expectations that the church would have for their members, how could you possibly do your job? Yeah, that, and then again, just pastors that I know, and partly most of them, I would say, to their defense, they didn't start the church, and so they feel like they... You know, there's other people that have more authority than they have, which may be the deacons or the elders or whatever. But I have have had conversations with good friends of mine, and like, yeah, we don't have conversations with our staff about whether they serve or tithe or whatever. I'm like, what? How, how do you do that? Yeah, you know, like again, if you read the Bible, Paul is clear to the leaders, like he is speaking to the leaders a lot about. Here's the expectations, and and even in and I mentioned this a few weeks ago into the series where Paul, you know, he wrote Acts. We're going to jump into Ephesians. We'll talk about that in a second. But Paul also sent Timothy to Ephesus before the Apostle John mm-hmm. went there. So when Paul wrote First Timothy, that was 
Timothy was pastoring the church at Ephesus, and Paul gives him some instructions that are kind of like follow-ups from Acts 20. Well, in that conversation that Peter, that Paul is having with Timothy, he actually calls out leaders in the church that are there in Ephesus and says their names. And some of them, he says, I've given over to the devil, you know, because they, they abandoned me, you mm-hmm. know? And so this idea uh, in church world that we have of like, it's somehow not, maybe it's not politically correct or whatever, or people are like, y'all are the church. Y'all should be loving. Well, yeah, we are. But part of loving is calling you to account. Yes. You know, not lying to you. Yes. And so if you, when you read Paul and he tells Timothy, yeah, I like those dudes are bad. Don't, you know, listen to them. And they were very Greek names. You know, I can't even remember. I don't know if they have an ER or a UR in them, you Pro- know, well, probably a lot of OSs, <laughs> yeah. USs. It's, it's Theophilus. Not, it's, yeah. It's some, it's one starts with a P one starts with an E. I know that, but I'm not even going to attempt to say them. But you read that and you're like, dang, Paul, like, Paul, like, said it like it was. Mm-hmm. And he called out those dudes yeah. because, sadly, those were people that he warned about in Acts 20 that mm-hmm. apparently rose up and were saying some twisted mm-hmm. things. So I say all that to say, yes, we even want our staff to be stewards, to be living out the expectations, because if not, you can lead people astray very fast. How disingenuous would it be for me to stand up there on a Sunday and say, hey, serve. If if I'm not going down the hall during the 1115 gathering and holding a baby. Yes. That, that would be so disingenuous. Yeah. Um, and one of the, I'll, I'll just flat out say one of the best days of my life was when Leanne and I joined this church. Yeah. When we became stewards. And it was 2015, so it was called Stewardship in, in 2015. So it was then already. Yeah, I yeah. knew it was a long time ago. I just couldn't remember exactly when it was. Yeah, and there, uh, I still have that picture. I was 15 pounds later. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you remember. Yeah. And yeah. and we're holding up our, our R sticker, and we were, we were so excited that day. Yeah. And that was, you know, two years before, you know, God was revealing what he was going to do with me here. Totally. Well, and that's one of the biggest reasons why we did hire you on staff is because you were faithful at the level you were at. Kind of bring this all back to stewardship and being faithful. You were faithful as a team member and then you were faithful as a team leader. And then we brought you on the teaching team when we were, how we were doing our classes. Then you were faithful at that, you know, so you kept moving up in in levels of leadership because you were faithful at the level you were at. And that's what I think stewardship is ultimately about is is being faithful where you're at and and serving and then God promoting you. You know, again, it's like and Jesus talks about this in the parable of the talents and I mean it's all over the Bible, but if you're faithful with the responsibility that God gave you, with the little that he gave you, he'll give you more. So that applies with whether it's money. It also applies whether it's, um, I was trying to think of another M word, <laughs> um, but leadership, it's both. Like you wouldn't be at the level of leadership. I wouldn't be at the level of leadership I am if we weren't faithful at the last level. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to say to our church with this whole series of stewardship is be found faithful at the level that you're at, be responsible. And if you're responsible, and God has called you, then he will promote you into that next level of leadership. And, and I'm not saying this is like a name it or claim it kind of thing. It's just true Mm -hmm. though, is if God can trust you, he will entrust more to you. And that's why I love the tagline. This is probably the best series tagline we've ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, Caring for what God entrusted to you Mm -hmm. is he entrusted it to you. So he wants you to care for it. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you care for it, he'll entrust more to you, Mm. you know? So it's a simple principle that we should apply to every area of our life. Awesome. In the study of uh, the sacred stewardship series and in the preaching of it, uh, Ephesians came up. Yeah. And so uh, you've already announced that we're going to be starting the book of Ephesians, uh, the letter uh, that Paul wrote to the Ephesians coming up this weekend. But you announced that, early on in the stewardship series. Yeah. So how do those two things tie together? Yeah, it was funny, you know, in thinking about like before I went on my sabbatical, I had told our team, 
that I was going to do a series on stewardship. And so we knew, and I'd even mentioned that to the church. Um, I didn't know how that was all going to, you know, shape out yet, Mm -hmm. but I knew we would do that. And then Lindsay had asked, our team had asked, um, Hey, what's the series after stewardship? Uh, Cause normally on the, when I take my preaching break in the summer, normally I plan out our teaching calendar. That's one of the things I do on my preaching break, which that's was one of the differences, as we've said, between my preaching break and sabbatical, my preaching break, I'm still working on the church sabbatical. I was working on myself and so I'm like, I don't know, and I don't, I can't think about that yet. You know, <laughs> uh, I said, but I'll figure it out when I get back. Well, through that whole through the summer, and I, you know, I was talking about it, and then my daughter, who is 13, I was trying to get her on the show today, um, but it takes a little bit more for ladies to to get ready. It takes a little bit more for them to be a good steward in order to come on the show. <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, babe, no one cares. You don't have to, you know whatever. So we were having a conversation about it. She said, dad, why don't the next series you do, why don't you go through Ephesians? And I said, why baby, why would you want me to do that? She's like, I don't, I just love that book. I just, I I want you to do that. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) So that was kind of there. Uh And then as I, when I came back from sabbatical and started studying uh, again, cause I knew I was going to do Acts 20, 28, but then looking at the context of that and that Paul was saying that to the Ephesian elders, I was like, man, well, that'd be kind of cool. You know, like it, there's already a tie there. Like Paul wrote this to the Ephesian elders. And so the pastors and leaders of the, the church in Ephesus, and I'm like, well, how cool would that be to now let's go look at that letter, you know, mm-hmm. that he wrote to them, which came later, many years after historically what happened in Acts 20, 28. So it just became kind of a natural tie in there. And because that verse was referencing the leaders of that church. Um, so then I started thinking about that. And then I love the book of Ephesians as well. Uh, one of my very first scriptures that I memorized was Ephesians 5.1, where it talks about being dearly loved children and a fragrant offering. Um, so that was one of my early memory verses because the book of Ephesians was one, especially when you're a new believer mm-hmm. and you don't understand you you don't understand all the all the historicity of the Bible. You don't understand all the theology of it. You just want some like real practical. Like you just want something that feels like it applies to your life. And Ephesians is one of those books where it's not very long. It's six chapters. You feel like you can read it, but it also deals with you know the first part of it. The first three chapters as we mentioned just a second ago, the whole indicative and imperative connection mm-hmm. of Acts 2020. 20. And that was the other thing. Like Acts 2028 20, was the indicative imperative. Well, the entire book of Ephesians is that. In, yeah. You know, the first three chapters are about what God has done. The last three about what we are to do in light of what God has done. I mean, literally chapter four starts with therefore, mm-hmm. you know, which is looking back at the first three sure. chapters. So that was a part of that connection too. But I just felt like um you know, when you see all those connections, like, okay, that's pretty amazing, God. And then you see, well, this would be a very timely book because it, it kind of unpacks even more this concept that we found in Acts 2028 20, about stewardship. Mm-hmm. So it's like what we're going to do now by going through the book of Ephesians is we're going to apply Acts 2028. 20, okay, what has God done? He obtained and he made us. Well, that's the first three chapters. Well, then pay careful attention to yourself and the flock. Well, that's chapters four through six. Mm-hmm. So it's actually like Ephesians is digging into more Acts 20, 28. So cool. Yeah. And and again, that's just the way the, the Bible is and how God works through it. It's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. And, and I, I didn't know that that was the first verse you memorized was out of Ephesians 5. First, yeah. first verse that I memorized in 2007 was Ephesians 4, 29. Yeah. And... I always just thought, how kind of God to reveal a verse about speech yeah. and talking to yeah. a guy who was on the radio as a talk show host. Yeah. And at that time, I was in sports talk, yeah. which can be very combative and 
not wholesome speech. Yeah, exactly. Not building <laughs> so, up. So let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only such as for the building up of others that it may give grace to those who hear. Yeah. This fits the occasion. Yeah. And so if you would have said, hey, Philippians or Ephesians, those would be my my two favorites. Totally. Both great ones. Um, yeah. and, and then and then there's another part of Natalie's uh uh leadership skills. Yeah. 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 Her prophecy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, was the actual graphic that we're using for the Ephesian series. Yeah. When we first started laying out, you know, the Ephesian series, you know, anytime you're trying to be creative, um, and we love creativity because God mm -hmm. made us, you know, God is creator. He made us creative. So whenever we're, you know, doing a series, you know, our, we have a creative meeting every Tuesday morning, and so our team, we get together and we talk about what's coming up, what we're working on, plan out the gatherings, that kind of stuff. And so when we were talking about Ephesians, I kind of, because um, they you know, want to know direction. Is there something I'm thinking? Is mm -hmm. there something that, you know, specific? Well, I was talking about, I kind of took it as like Ephesians, you know, there's a historicalness to it sure. because it was in Ephesus. And if you read in Acts 18 and 19, before Acts 20, where Paul says that, well, Paul, when he was in Ephesus, he really caused an uproar because there was a big um, temple there to Artemis, a Greek god. And so he, Paul caused a lot of problems because he was leading people to Jesus away from the temple. Well, the people that were made money off of selling people that go to worship at the temple, they didn't really care that Paul was creating a new religion. He was just taking their money. And so this big riot happens, um, and and it's a fascinating story in, in Acts 18 and 19. So anyway, that's kind of what I was thinking about mm -hmm. the book of Ephesians, and so like this historical place, and if you Google it, a, a lot of those buildings still stand yeah. in Ephesus, because Ephesus is modern-day Turkey. It's on the western side of Turkey, uh, right on the coast. And I have not been there yet, but I want to go. And so we kind of were taking it from that standpoint of this kind of historical, almost think kind of Coliseum type buildings, you know, this, the, the famous temple and there's a famous library that was there and Paul was at those places. So when we were kind of talking about it, we were kind of going with that feel, like kind of this historical kind of grounded feel. So our team came up with two graphics, one that kind of looked like that. Mm -hmm. And then one that took that kind of ancient feel and then brought it into kind of modern day with like almost like newspaper clippings, if you will. And so it still had those ancient buildings in it, but it was kind of like this kind of not chaotic, but just, this is a real creative take on the mm -hmm. word. And so Lindsay calls me into our creative team offices and Mason who creates the graphics has these two options there on the screen and I'm looking at them. And I'm thinking, and I haven't said a word yet. And then Natalie walks in because she, we were about to go to her volleyball game. Or, no, she was here for Grow Band. So she walks in and immediately says, oh, Ephesians, I love that one. The, I love that top graphic, which was the one that was more, the more modern looking, right. not the more historical mm -hmm. one. And, and that's the one that everybody liked, you know. And then Natalie goes, well, I picked the series that we're doing, so you might as well let me pick the graphic too. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all started busting out laughing. I'm like, well, there you go. You uh, know, it's great. That, that's the one we're going to go with. So pulling back the curtain, this is how things are done. This and, is how it's done. And, and yeah. quite often, you know, we're talking about things a year ahead of time. Yeah. And, uh, and then sometimes it's a few weeks ahead of time. It just depends. Yeah. Yeah. Where the spirit, where the spirit flows. Yeah. We try to create, and it, it is funny when you think about the spirit and how he created in Acts 1, I mean, not Acts 1, Genesis mm -hmm. 1, he created the form and then he filled it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's been a lot that's been said about that, but that is really part of the creation process where you're like, we kind of create the form, like a calendar and plan, and then we come back and fill it. So yeah, some things we're a year out on in planning and then some were two weeks, you know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how it worked. But yeah, it was just funny because we, <laughs> like Natalie just happened to be here for grow band. This was last Thursday. And she just happened to walk in at that exact mm -hmm. moment of time where I'm debating and I haven't said anything yet about a graphic. And then she makes a comment 
Um, so that's kind of, and I want again, I wanted her to come on here and say that, mm-hmm. um, cause it was just really cool and a cool thing to me and even in her own life, like, Hey God, yeah. Like you had a hand in shaping mm-hmm. this after know? Ephesians. What, what does Natalie think uh, our next book should be? I don't know. I have to, I'll have to consult <laughs> what does her. She do? What yeah. does she decide? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to consult her and see what she's thinking. That's, yeah. That is awesome. That I, is probably, awesome. she's probably going to say, obey your parents. Probably, <laughs> Cause that's in Ephesians. So. <laughs> well, there's a lot of that in, uh, in four five and six. Yes. There's a lot of the imperatives in four five and six. Yeah. One, two, and three. A lot of big, weighty theological and doctrine. Yeah, and that, and the way we have it laid out right now is for the rest of 2023, our goal is to get through chapters one, two, and three, mm-hmm. and like that'll take us into Christmas, mm-hmm. and then we'll we always take a break at the last weekend of the year, and then we'll come back with a bide at the beginning of the year, which is always our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Then in February we'll pick back up into Ephesians four mm-hmm. and and roll. So that's kind of how we're we're kind of using the break of Christmas to break up chapters mm-hmm. three to four. And and I love what you said in, in the creative meeting yesterday that I mean there are such big themes in uh, in the first couple of chapters that you know you may, there may be a verse that takes a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's why I say I hold that loosely. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> uh, I think right now it's like sixteen weeks between now and the end of the year. Um, so hopefully we can get through three, but even if we don't, because yeah, it's like the idea of double clicking, you know, I think everybody's familiar with that when you're on your computer or double tap, you know, on your iPad or phone, when you double click a link, then it opens it up and then there's more. Well, there's so many big things, themes and things in the book of Ephesians where you almost can double click and then spend you know, like the first chapter, the word predestination occurs at least two, maybe three or four times. Well, naturally, that's going to, like, you can <laughs> double click into that one, and I could spend five or six weeks on that subject. Everybody's ears just went, Whoop. Yeah, you know, because uh, that is a big subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about that in Ephesians. So, yeah, there's some big theological truths. But, again, as always, my goal is we tackle those is not to is not to just deal with a subject because um people have questions or or it's somewhat controversial but to well it's there it it is there and so let's talk about it and regardless of where anybody lands on the exact nuances of predestination to me what it shows me is god is actively working in the world mm-hmm. and god is actively doing stuff to save us and to grow. So to me, it's awesome. So I can't wait to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about it. And so I, I, I hope that people, even though that we're, we are dealing with big theological concepts, I hope people will grow to love them. Yes. You know, and that's why we teach through books mm-hmm. of the Bible. So here are some action steps as we wrap this up today. Um, your action step, if you're listening, number one, join the church. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about stewardship. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying this in any other way than being a steward of Revolution Church has brought me and Leanna so much joy. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to. Exactly. Um, stop dipping your toe in the water. Yeah. Join the church. Yeah. And, and to that, and I'm, hopefully it's not too big of an interruption. Ultimately, what we're saying is join a church. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It doesn't even have to be revolution. Re- that's right. And and, and we I, say that in stewardship. Well, I know. That's why yeah. I, I know you agree with it. Um, and forever, we used to have other churches on our website that we love and support. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we redid that, that page went away. But the point, the heart is still there. We are not saying, even when it comes to tithing or whatever, like if it is not revolution church, that's fine. We are one church in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so there are other great, amazing churches, local churches here, uh, wherever you're listening from. So we just want you to join a church because at the end of the day, it's not about when we meet God, it's not about what church we were a steward of. Mm-hmm. It's were you a steward of any church? That's right. Were you, did you join any church? Mm-hmm. Because, I think we're going to be asked by God, what did you do with Jesus? That's the salvation mm-hmm. question. And what did you do with the church? Mm-hmm. Did you join Jesus in what Jesus was doing? 
which Jesus made it clear what he was doing. He's building his church, which is making disciples. Mm -hmm. So ultimately what we're saying is the reason why you should join a church is because you're going to be held accountable for that. Jesus is going to ask you. And like we said at the last week in second Corinthians six, we're not trying to put any obstacle in your way to be a part of this process. So Mm -hmm. yes, yeah. Join a church. And, and and to clarify, and I know you 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 did mean this, the tithe is to the church, yes. whatever church you join. Totally. Um and you can certainly give above and beyond to other organizations, yeah. and that's generosity. Yeah. Uh, but the tithe is the return to the storehouse. Totally. Yeah. And again, we mean that so much that we would say if you're just attending our church, but you're really a member of another church, you need to tie to the church you're a member of and join it like and really be down with what what mm-hmm. God is doing there. Yeah. Doesn't mean like there's other churches that I watch, like other pastors that I watch in videos and and I know people do that with our church. Mm-hmm. But we would still want people that maybe watch our church but are involved in their church. We want them to tie to their local mm-hmm. church. Because that is the, that's their family, that's where they're committed to. Mm-hmm. So yes, that's what we mean when we say um, join the church, join a church, be fully committed at that church, serve, tithe, build up the leadership, um, be a part of the mission. And and it's always surprising in stewardship, in what would be session three, when I say to everybody in there, hey, number one, hey, don't don't join if you're not all in. No. (laughs) If if you're not going to, do what the covenant is asking. Yeah. Uh, just, just come attend. Yeah, just attend. Yeah. Um, you can still serve. Totally. Um, and then I say at, at the end of this, you may hear things and go, Oh, this is not the church for me. Yeah. Because there are requirements. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's an expectation. Yeah. And then I'll say, there's plenty of great churches. I know a lot of great pastors around here. I'll help connect you. Totally. And people are like, Really? Yeah. They're shocked by that. <laughs> yeah. 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 We want you in a church. Yes. Uh, this is a kingdom thing. Totally. Not a 125 Union Hill Trail or a 689 North Main Street Jasper. No. Yep. No. Excellent. Excellent. So that's your first action step. Your yep. second action step is start reading the book of Ephesians. Yep. Um, begin in chapter one. And, and Chapter one. And just start reading. It's yeah. only six chapters and you can knowing that we're just going to go through the first three over the next couple of months, start by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about this, I think on here before, but I know obviously you and I've talked about it many times, but I don't remember who told me, but reading, reading one letter or one book of the Bible multiple times is a better way of reading the scriptures as opposed to reading a little bit of a lot of books over time. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's bad. We should do that too. But yeah, we can read the letter of the Ephesians, and this guy told me once 20 times. Mm-hmm. You read it 20 times. And so I would highly encourage people, yeah, start reading, and you could read the whole thing in like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not long. But read it multiple times as we go through it. And and that's why our groups are based upon um, their sermon-based groups where you talk about the message you know, through our whole read process. Because we want people to dig into a text, mm-hmm. you know, we want people to really look at, read it, examine it, apply it, pray it, and you can do that if you'll read it multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, start reading the book, and then make a goal, even by the end of the year, um, you, or as we're done with this series, that you've read it twenty times. Yeah, and and it's been so helpful for me, especially uh, getting into chapter three. Yeah, I don't know how many times over the last couple of weeks I've read one through 13 of chapter three mm. until I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's, that's what he's getting at. Yeah. There. Okay. All right. Got that. But it wouldn't have happened. Number one, it wouldn't have happened if I just read it, said, I don't get it. Yeah. And then read a commentary. Yeah. But over and over and then asking God, Hey, what, what do you want me to get here? Yeah. What? Ask the Holy spirit for yeah. help. Yeah. 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 No, that's great. Awesome. Can't wait. Ephesians begins this weekend um, and join the church. 
Okay, those are the two action <laughs> steps. All right, wrapping it up here. There is a new one at the end. Uh, I did take a couple of them out, so oh, this okay. isn't so long. I just left in my favorites. Yeah. Um, uh, producer of the the Grow People podcast is Brian Damaro. Our technician today, Neon Keon Sadishi. Yeah. Uh, our key grip uh, often is Jakob Pushchakovsky. Uh, he's not here today. He's not doing anything today with the podcast. He's on our staff. I just like saying Jakob <laughs> Pushchakovsky. Um, our head of doctrine and theology, of course, is theologian. Our chief evangelist is salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer is lukewarm. Our director, of, <laughs> our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn, Bjorn again. again. My favorite. Yes. Our expert on Russian eschatology, Pitov L. Uh, our director of holiness is mortification. Our staff counselor is less moody. <laughs> our giving coordinator is generosity. Our director of tithing is 10%. Our nativity coordinator. Uh, she only works one time a year. Uh, she's from France. Her name is Beth Lacham. <laughs> Lacham. Uh, our co-pastors of plagues, Manny Locusts and Lance Boyles. Our Irish eschatology professor is Mark O. the Beast. Our director of communication is Bernie Bush. Our director of doctrine of election is I am chosen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll include him in Ephesians 1. Yes. Uh, the uh, sabbatical director is Trip Long. Have I heard that one? No, that was a new one from, uh, my, from last time. I don't remember that. Yeah, one Trip Long. Yeah, that was good. Trip Long. Yeah. And, and here's the new one. And you're going to have to go deep into this. And uh, you may just have to Google or open up your Bible, okay? Our staff ophthalmologist... I ran this by some of our staff this morning. Only okay, one person. Okay, so eye doctor. Okay, our staff ophthalmologist is Arthur N. Perfector. <laughs> Arthur N. Perfector. <laughs> Out of Hebrews. Hebrews. Yes. Twelve two. Yes. Let us fix, fix our, our eyes. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. See what I did there? Yes. All right. There you go. All right. For a transcript of the show, just write down everything we say. That was and good. And for the best advice ever. Trust God and take it now. See you next time.